Welcome once again. We're so glad that you are back with us this week here at Grace Baptist Church. We are thankful to have the opportunity to speak with you once again tonight. And uh, for those of you who are maybe jumping into this series here at the end, I am Jay Knowles. I'm the senior pastor here at Grace Baptist Church. And this is our weekly opportunity to take a little time and study scripture together and not only study God's word, but also hopefully being able to live it practically in our lives so that we can live a life that truly pleases God. My prayer for this series has been and continues to be that you will learn how to regulate your emotions, to choose your thoughts wisely through the power of the Holy Spirit, and live a life, as I mentioned, that glorifies God. So we are studying our thinking, our thought process. Our theme verse has been Proverbs 12, 5, the thoughts of the righteous are just. Our thoughts are not out of our control. Our thoughts are habitual. We can choose how we think. And if that is true, and I believe it is, we can also then create new habits that allow us to think in such a way that allows our life to prosper, allows us to enjoy the blessings of God. Now, through most of these sessions, through many of them anyway, especially last week, I began with a series of questions. But tonight, I actually want to begin with a very bold statement. And this statement, if you watched session nine already, you will know that tonight, tonight's section, uh, session, we're going to be talking about the problem of pride and looking at the issue of our pride and, and what that produces in our lives and what that looks like. And maybe you are not believing at this moment that you are a proud person, but we want to you know, dissect that a little bit more and see if in fact there isn't maybe some pride residing in all of our hearts. So I'm going to begin with a very bold statement at the beginning of this session. Your pride is destroying you and it's destroying your relationships. Now, pride is a huge topic. In fact, there are many books on my shelf back in my office that talk about the issue of pride and they talk about the issue of developing an attitude of humility. We also know that if you even do a cursory reading through Scripture, you will find pride in, in abundance, whether it is a verse of Scripture that is talking specifically about the issue of pride, or it may very well be illustrations of pride in how someone behaved, how they acted, what they did. And our pride is much more real than sometimes we want to admit. Sometimes we want to excuse it, overlook it, pretend it isn't there. And I want to begin, before we get into our specific teaching tonight, is to just give you a very, very brief synopsis, overview, if you will, of what the Bible teaches about pride. Pride, number one, is hated by God. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13 says, Pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech, I hate, God says. I hate pride. I hate arrogance. I hate the evil way that leads to perverted speech. I hate those things. 
And so when we overlook our pride or dismiss our pride or excuse our pride, we have to be careful that we remember that God hates pride. Why? Well, it's sinful against him, certainly. It challenges his authority. And God also says this, that pride leads us to destruction. Proverbs 16, verse 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. That if I am arrogant and filled with pride, I am one more step closer to a fall, to destruction. We see this in our political climate all the time, that someone gets into a place of leadership, not just in politics, but in in Hollywood or in business. It happens all over the place. Someone gets into a position of leadership. They become arrogant. They become haughty. They become proud and filled with pride, and they fall. And not only do they try to excuse their sin or brush their sin under the rug, they are very slow to take personal responsibility because it is very often the result of pride. Pride leads us to destruction. It could be destroying you right now, and it could very well be destroying your relationships. Number three, pride blinds you. I've already alluded to this in my comments already on these previous two verses, but listen to Obadiah chapter 1, verse 3. The pride of your heart has deceived you. Pride is a slippery slope. It's very, very easy to see it in other people, but it's very difficult at times for us to see pride in our own lives and in our own hearts because it may very well be that your pride is deceiving you and you have become calloused or you have become indifferent to your pride. Here's the good news. Pride can be defeated by developing an attitude of humility. Proverbs, excuse me, 1 Peter rather, not Proverbs, 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 6 says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God. This is a volitional choice too. It is a commandment to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Now, here's the reason I saved this session for the last one. And we could probably do a 10-part series on pride and be and not struggle to fill our time, okay? But the reason I saved this one for last, and you think back through this series, and I want to just highlight a few of them that truly, sincerely are rooted in our pride. First of all, self-pity is rooted in pride. And you may not disagree with that. You may disagree with that one, but we're going to come back to that that one in just a few moments, but self-pity is actually a form of pride. The fear of man that we studied is also the result of pride. Envy, we studied recently, is an absolute outplaying of our pride because we believe we deserve something better than what we got. Last week, we studied the sin, the problem of impatience, and that also is rooted in absolute pride. Pride blinds you. It, as Obadiah says, it blinds you to who you really are. And it does so in one of two ways. Pride blinds you in one of two ways. Now, you could probably argue that there are other ways that pride blinds us. I'm sure that's true, how it deceives us. But I'm going to just look at two ways that pride blinds deceives us or blinds us. Number one, 
we see ourselves better than we actually are. We fail to acknowledge our sinfulness. We fail to acknowledge our imperfections. One of the litmus tests on this one is very simple. How willing are you to admit when you're wrong? How willing are you to accept personal responsibility when it was you who have done something wrong, when you have sinned against someone else? How willing are you to acknowledge your sinfulness and acknowledge your imperfections? Or do you just believe you are superior to everyone else? There is no sin in your life. There is no imperfection in your life. You have arrived. You are God's gift to humanity, and you believe yourself better than you actually are. Going along with that is we believe ourselves to be superior to others. We believe that our abilities are better than others. We look down on other people. We don't see them as as people created in the image of God. We see them lesser than us and that we somehow are better than them. And so in our pride, we often see ourselves better than we actually are. So we see no reason to change. We see no reason to repent. We see no reason to seek someone's forgiveness. We see no reason to seek assistance from someone else because we have life all figured out. We are better. We are superior. We are blinded. We are deceived by our pride. Now, some of you listening tonight, you you might be a product of a cultural shift that happened a few years ago that you may be believing in your own life that everyone should get an A in calculus because they just tried really hard. You may be part of the participation trophy mentality that you have been built up, told you are wonderful. Maybe you were uh, growing up under the, under the picture from your parents that if you have a pulse, that makes you somehow special than everybody else. And the reality is you are created in the image of God. The reality is you are not as special as you believe yourself to be. And by the way, if you're a parent believing that you need to teach your children to believe they are somehow exceptional in every area of their life, you may need to rethink that. And I would argue the sooner our children can learn humility and learn that the world really doesn't revolve around them, the healthier and the more stable and the more confident they will actually be rather than believing that they are better than others. Now, here's the second side that that pride deceives us. Number one is easy to see. We're going to come back to both of these in a, in a verse of scripture in just a moment. It's very easy to see someone who has an attitude of superiority. We see them. They're easy to recognize. They generally stand out in a crowd. But the second way that pride deceives us is we see ourselves worse than we are. Now, let me explain that for a moment because we are all sinners. We were all born sinful. We all need the grace and mercy of God. No one seeks after God in our own in our own hearts, in our own flesh. We don't seek that. We are all sinful people. However, as we will look in just a moment, we are created in the image of God with certain gifts, certain abilities, and certain passions in order to fulfill the God, our, God's direction for our life, what God has 
equipped us to do. And sometimes our pride, in our pride, we see ourselves worse than we actually are. John Piper said, said it this way, and I'm going to quote John Piper here for the next few sentences. He said this, and I quote, The reason that self-pity does not look like pride is that it appears to be needy. But the need arises from a wounded ego. And the desire of the self-pitying is not really for others to see them as helpless, but as heroes. The need self-pity feels does not come from a sense of unworthiness, but from a sense of unrecognized worthiness. It is the response of unapplauded pride. Now, understand, understand what John Piper is getting at. What, self, what self-pity really is, it is this flip side of the superiority complex that's so easily seen, believing that I need people to applaud me, to come to rescue me. I need someone to tell me how wonderful I am or how successful I am or how great I am. This really is a crying out for the applause of people. It is the fear of man. It is seeking out acceptance or the uh, the uh, recognition of someone else, and I use self-pity to get it. So self-promotion, as in number one, we believe ourselves to be superior. We are better than everyone else. That is self-promotion. The center of that person's heart and life is themselves. We often describe them as narcissistic. It's all about them. Well, self-pity is also an obsession with self. It is looking inwardly and obsessed with who I am. Now, let's be clear about this. Humility is not the same as self-deprecation. Self-deprecation is the undervaluing of self that is not an accurate assessment of who you are. Because pride tells us sometimes that we are worse than we really are, that we need the applause of someone to feel better, that we also need see no reason to change or no reason to repent. I'm just terrible. I'm awful. I'm not good at anything. I'm a terrible person. Whatever it may be that sometimes we do not see ourselves accurately and we promote ourselves And sometimes we don't see ourselves accurately and we undervalue ourselves and it comes out in the the form of self-pity. The first in self-promotion, I'm superior, I'm better than you. The second is in self-pity, I am the worst human being that has ever walked on the face of this planet. They are both rooted in an obsession with self. Now, I promise to read you a verse of scripture that I really want you to think about with me. And to me, this is one of those verses of Scripture that I find very often in my ministry that I am coming back to again and again because this is a common struggle with people on either side of the equation, either self-promoting or self-pitying and being consumed with that. Listen to Romans chapter 12, verse 3. The Apostle Paul says, says it this way, For by the grace given to me, I say... To everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. That is the person 
who Paul is saying, do not see yourself as superior than everyone else. Don't think that way. But to think with sober judgment, accurate judgment, that each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned to you, Paul said. In other words, do not think of yourself as a superior person, nor do you think of yourself as a worthless person who has not been given a measure of faith, a measure of giftedness to be used by God for his glory. See yourself soberly. See yourself accurately. The reality is, You are a sinner in need of God's grace, in need of God's mercy. You are imperfect. You are not a person who has all of the answers, but you are a gifted individual created in the image of God who he has gifted and equipped. And so think of yourself accurately. When we studied the session on envy, I used the illustration that I have had people in my life, and you probably have as well, that they have a particular gift set that I don't have, and I wish that I had that gift set. And the older I've gotten, I realize that with every gift set, with everything that we are inherently gifted in, there is a long list of things that we are not gifted in. And so when we think about this issue where some people may be better in one area of ministry or in life than the other, I may compliment that person, and that means we are both valuable. My gifts are just simply different than that other person's giftedness. Now, before we end this topic of pride, I want to leave you with eight signs of pride. Maybe you're struggling a little bit with this idea that you are consumed with pride and that pride is destroying not only you, but it's also destroying your relationships at work, at home, at your church, wherever it may be, and you are struggling to see this in your life. Let me invite you to listen to these eight signs of pride and ask yourself how many of these apply to you. And I would say how many of them apply to you because at least one applies to you. I guarantee you there's at least one on this list that is going to apply to you. Number one, believing you deserve all that the world offers. That you believe the world somehow owes you something. You believe that the world revolves around you. My dear friend, if you believe this, it is urgent that you correct correct this thinking and understand that the world does not owe you anything. As I've heard it said, expect nothing from the world and appreciate everything. The world does not revolve around you. You are not the center of the universe. And if you're a parent, please help your children understand that the world does not revolve around them either. And the world doesn't owe them anything either. If you believe that the world owes you something, that is a sign of pride. Number two, believing that you deserve better than the people around you. You deserve a better position. You deserve better circumstances. You deserve more convenience. You deserve to be catered to. That you deserve something better than what everyone else around you is getting. You deserve better because you're you. It's a sign of pride. Number three, deserving that, or excuse me, believing rather that you deserve to associate with certain people 
and receive recognition from them, that there is a group of people that you believe ought to accept you, ought to bring you into their fold. They ought to associate with you and want to be with you and you want to be like them and they want to be like you. And there is this certain group of people that you believe you belong with. Number four, believing you deserve to do things your own way. That you fail to ask for advice. You fail to ask for input from people even when you're making an important decision. You don't worry about how it influences others or impacts other people. You want to do what you want to do. And if it hurts somebody, offends somebody, inconveniences somebody, that's not your concern. You want to do what you want to do regardless of what it means for people. I see this in marriage counseling. I see this in children in regard to people in their household that they are not worried about inconveniencing anybody. They are not worried about hurting someone's feelings or disappointing or sinning against someone. They simply do what they want to do. And they don't want to hear input from anybody or be challenged by anyone around them. They want to do their own thing in their own way because they deserve it because they're better than everybody else. Number five, believing you deserve to use opportunities to serve as an opportunity to impress. In other words, if I am given an opportunity to serve someone else, I don't do it with the motivation of loving my neighbor as myself. I do it so that I impress people. I get applause from people. I get recognized by people. That is a sign of pride. Number six, believing you deserve to always get what you desire. That you, that you quickly challenge or disagree with people in positions of leadership. That if you want it a certain way, then it should be this way. And if a leader doesn't give it to you, then you don't want to do it that way. You want to challenge that. And you want to uh, say that your judgment in that area is better. You deserve to get, get things exactly the way you desire, not how someone else tries to um, implement for you. Number seven, believing you deserve the right to be defensive and argumentative when corrected. How do you respond when someone points out something to you that you did wrong? How, how do you respond when someone corrects you? How do you respond when someone gives you a well-meaning, well-intentioned piece of advice that could actually help you, but you don't want to hear it? Are you argumentative? Are you defensive? Do you get angry when someone corrects you? Because if I believe that I am superior than everybody else, I don't need to be corrected. I don't need someone to tell me what to do because I've already figured all of this out. Then number eight, the final one I would ask you to consider is, do you believe you deserve the right to speak rather than the opportunity to listen? Do you talk more than you listen? Do you talk over people? Do you just see when someone else is talking the opportunity for you to wait and develop your thinking and not even listen to what they said? I have a, I have a friend, I had a friend a long time ago now, I haven't seen him in a number of years, that when you would talk to him and you would start to speak, he would look behind you and just kind of look around. And then when you were done, he would pick up where he left off, didn't respond to what you said, had no comment about what you said. He just simply was on his own train of thought and he was going to talk about what he wanted to talk about. And he really wasn't interested often in what you had to say. It's a sign of pride. 
So there really is two ways that our pride blinds us, that our pride deceives us. It can deceive us into believing that we are superior over someone else. It also can deceive us into believing that we are worthless, that we are nothing of value. And they are both rooted in our own self-centeredness. I encourage you, especially on this session, maybe there is an area of your life right now that you are struggling with this area of pride, and maybe you know and you recognize that you believe yourself to be superior than than others, and I would implore you to get help in understanding how you can think biblically about who you are, particularly applying Romans 12.3 to your life, to not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. But maybe you're listening and the idea that self-pity and this sense of worthlessness is a way that our pride is deceiving us, and you may have questions about that, and I understand that. That's a new concept maybe for some of you. I would encourage you as well, get help, get someone to go through scripture with you to identify your strengths, to allow God to use you for his glory, that you come to the place, you have sober, accurate judgment of your strengths and of your weaknesses so that you can please God and serve him with your gifts and abilities. More, most importantly, as we close this series If you are filled with pride, please humble yourself before Almighty God so that he can, in fact, use you for his glory. If this session or any of the others have created questions for you, you can get more information about our ministry at gracenc.org. You can also contact us through our website, gracenc.org. You can email us and we can answer any questions that you have about this session or any of the others in this series. But I encourage you, as, as I mentioned a moment ago, to get help, particularly in these areas of pride, because it is the soil that so many of these other sins germinate and take on life. And so please get help with this if this is an area that you particularly struggle with. So you can get more information about us on our website, gracenc.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. I invite you to find us there and follow us. We would love to be able to influence you and impact you with the gospel of Jesus Christ on a more regular basis. Thank you, as always, for listening, and we will look forward to beginning a new series, and uh, we'll be studying a new topic in the coming weeks together. Uh, but this concludes our series on thinking biblically and thinking in a way that glorifies God, and I pray this series has been a help to you. God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you again very soon. Good night.